Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Well, if you're a first-time guest today, you are walking into what we are calling a Pray First movement this year. How many people got your wristbands? You got your wristbands on today? Okay, if you don't have a Pray First wristband and you would like one, we've got them in the lobby for you to grab. Thank you, Geo and Guest Services for setting all that up. And so if you would like them, they're available for you free of charge. Just don't take seven. You don't need to switch them out for every day of the week or have backup bracelets, okay? Living for people that don't have them. If you've lost one, for sure, grab them. It's just a reminder where our church is headed, but also what our priority should be. We've realized that a lot of prayer is done today in the world reactively. Something bad happens, I'ma pray. Someone gets hurt, I'ma pray. And it's like, God is so much more than 911. He's so much more. And you miss out on the beauty of Him when that's all you treat him as. And so not trying to make anyone feel bad, but I am trying to inspire you to go deeper into your relationship with God. And I said relationship and I meant relationship because I think for a lot of people when they're first discovering church, they think that they're here for a religion. Why are you to come to church on Easter? Because I'm Christian, it's my religion. And if you came for religion, you're gonna leave empty because that's not what we offer here. What we do offer here though is relationship. That you can find here, you can find that in abundance. And there is a difference, you know, between religion and relationship. It's the difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. Yeah. Like you could Wikipedia me, you could Google me, you can learn things about me that the average person might not know, but that doesn't necessarily mean you know me. You might learn that I was born on September 24th, 1986, and that that day was a Wednesday. You might know that my wife was born on January 27th, 1982, and that that day was a Wednesday. You might also learn that my firstborn son, Justice James Vasquez, was born on February 15, 2011. <laughs> and that day was a Wednesday. All three of us born on Wednesdays. How many people feel like you know me? <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know me just because you know facts about me. If you want to get to know me, you got to spend time with me. That's the same thing with God. He was born on Christmas, resurrected on Easter, died on Good Friday. His mother's name was Mary. His father's name was Joseph. He had 12 disciples. Don't ask me their names. Just because you know about God doesn't mean you know God until you spend time with God. This is the invitation of prayer. In Spanish, we actually are able to tell the difference because we actually have two words for the English word know, K-N-O-W. And so today, if it's all right, I'd like to just teach y'all some Spanish. Now, I'm not the best Spanish teacher, but I know these words. And so I'm going to teach you something. You're going to learn something. You're going to practice with me. Okay, there's two words for the word no. The first word for no is saber. Now I'm going to ask you to say it, saber, and I want you to roll that R. You better roll that R. Try your very best. On three, saber. One, two, three. That was really good, Journey Church. Come on. Journey Church, if you don't leave with a relationship with Jesus, you at least leave learning Spanish. Amen. <laughs> the other word is conocer. Conocer. So on three, you're going to say conocer. One, two, three. 
Now, if you know Spanish, you instinctually know the difference. But if you don't, here's the difference. To saber something is to know the fact of something. So, so, but to conocer is to know someone. And many people sabe de Dios. A lot of people know about God. They will tell you that they are Christians and they even, might even have, own a cross. But very few people conoce Dios, which is to actually have gone to lunch with him, to have had a conversation with him. And the thing that God wants to do in your life is so much greater than a label on your U.S. census form. What religion do you affiliate with? No, you don't want that. Who's the one that you depend on for everything in your life? Who's the one that brings you hope? Who's the one that brings you, who's the one that provides for you every day of your life? That's relationship. Who's the one that your source of, of joy and strength comes from? That's what he wants to offer. And that's what prayer offers you. And that's why we've been making prayer such a focus of 2023. And next year there'll be another vision, but this is a prayer pivot for our church. It'll ne our church will never be the same after this because we're going to turn to prayer and prayer will always be our foundation. And so, and so you, I want to go to the Bible and I'll talk about this series that we're in right now. It's our third week and we're closing it out. And Paul talks about prayer. He uses the same phrase three different times. You can put it up on the screen behind me. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. I want you to shout out loud whatever you see in yellow when it comes to the part in yellow. Rejoice always. Pray. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit. Pray with all kinds of prayers and ask for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready, never give up, always pray for all God's people. Colossians 4.2-3, give yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. The series that we've been in is called At All times. And it is a phrase that Paul uses three times in the New Testament to define the nature of prayer and a healthy prayer life. And we've been exploring this and asking ourselves, are we to take this literally? Should we literally be praying all the time? Are we to take this metaphorically, symbolically? And the answer is yes to all of those. In the first week, we talked about what it means to literally pray all the time, to exist in a conversation with the Lord at all times. You go to Starbucks, you order your Starbucks drink or Fox tail, whatever you're called, or Dunkin', you get your drink, you drink your, that coffee in the morning. You know that feeling you get when you are dead tired and you drink that first sip of coffee and it's just the way you like it, the barista made it just right, and you didn't even need to say anything. They saw you, they knew exactly what it was, and you drink it and it's like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that moment that you get right there where you go, man, this coffee is good. Instead of just reflecting on the fact that this coffee is good, that is your opportunity to look up to heaven and go, Lord, thank you for coffee. Because I think I'd be dead. Voice <laughs> of a coffee and your grace. <laughs> your grace and the cross. And the cross and then coffee. I appreciate you, Lord. Appreciate you, Lord. Right? And then we also talked last week about what it means to pray at all times when you don't have the words to pray. And we said that oftentimes our life communicates even louder than our words. And so we can pray at all times just by the way we live our life, by the way we are patient with the Lord when he doesn't answer our prayers and the timeline that we want him to. When we turn our posture to the Lord, we are encouraged and we are uplifted, even though everything around us tells us that we should be discouraged and depressed. And when we are planted and we tell the Lord, come hell or high water, I am not leaving you. I'm staying with you. You are stuck with me, Jesus. Where else can I go? No one else has the words of life, but you. Just, just being there communicates, right? You can only appreciate that if you've ever been left. 
You have been abandoned. You can understand how powerful it is to have someone stick with you through the difficult moments of life. Today, I wanna focus on that final passage as we close out this series, Colossians 4, two through three. Give yourselves to prayer, say this with me, at all times. Now you're gonna hear some instructions. The Bible is very not coincidental. The Bible is very particular with the words that it chooses. And it chooses three words to describe what it means to pray at all times. And it says, be watchful at all times. Be thankful at all times. And then pray for us at all times. Each one of these phrases implies a direction for prayer. Now, I don't mean that literally. Like I, I went to Bible college in the South, in South Carolina with like, I, like I went to Bible college, like my neighbor was the dude from Waterboy that was like, <laughs> like that was my neighbor, okay? <laughs> So, and then the South, they got some, some theology sometimes, you know, you got to be careful for it. I remember one time I was, I was praying and I was praying like this, because that's how I was taught to pray when I was a kid. I was like, Jesus, yes, Lord. And he told me, this old guy came up to me, he said, you don't pray like this, you pray like this. I said, how come? He said, because when you pray like this, your prayers go up. <laughs> True story. He said, if you pray like this, they go up and they come right back down. <laughs> so I, I was like, I don't think it works like that. Well, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, please don't eat me. And, um, and so that was, you know, I, so I pray like this now. Um, but uh, what, I, what I do mean is, is the focus of our prayer when I say direction. And when we see, put the verse back on the screen if you can, please. When we see the word watchful, the first direction of prayer is inward. It's inward. A lot of times we pray about what's going on inside us and we got to watch for the condition of our heart and watch for the condition of our soul. When we ask God to do things on our behalf and in us, prayer is inward. One of the names we have for that is petition or supplication. If you remember Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and asking his disciples to pray with him, he said, watch with me. Can you not watch with me one hour, he said. And, and, and that, that watching is very important because what he's saying is that if you're not careful, you will drift asleep. And so you need to be aware of the condition of your heart. How many people um, are, have experienced a place in their life they would have never thought they were 10 years prior? You know how you got there? Because little things happened 10 years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, and you weren't watching. And it took you to a place that you'd never ever thought you'd be. And so what God is saying is be watchful, pay attention. I had a friend who told me recently, he said, Pastor JJ, I gotta be honest with you, I'm just not feeling church lately, and I'm just not feeling prayer lately. I was like, bro, thank you for sharing that. That takes a lot of courage to share that with your pastor. <laughs> like. Essentially, you're saying, hey, this whole thing you gave your life to, I don't like it. <laughs> I really appreciate your courage, brother. And, I told, and, and by the way, the fact that you even are aware that you feel that way shows me that you're going to make it. Because he's watchful of the condition of his passion. Watchful. For, and, and that's what God is saying. Being a, be aware of what is going on inside of you and then pray about that thing. Lord, change my heart. Lord, align me. Lord, fix me. Lord, my, my heart is, is wanting more of the things of the world and chasing after money. It's not after you, God, fix me. The second direction of prayer is not inward. Put it back on the screen if you can, but <clears throat> upward. Thankful at all times. Thankful at all times. And so, so now what Paul is saying is don't just be aware of what's going on inside of you. Be aware of what God has done for you. So many times in our lives, we are uh, confronted with a sense of poverty, wishing that we had more of something, friends, comfort, money, whatever it may be. 
And in that moment, what I really believe that that pain comes from is not from a lack of not having, but a lack of not seeing. All the things you do have. When the future gets you afraid, the solution is not to wish that you could know the future. That would be cool. Make a lot of money in the stock market. That'd be cool. You want to know the solution to fear for your future? Remember your past. All the things that God has got you through. When we are thankful, many of our prayers are not even prayed anymore because we remember, oh, God's got this. The final one is up there, and it's watchful, thankful, and then pray for us. And now we see prayer take a third direction. No longer just inward, no longer just upward, but now we see prayer taking a direction outward. And that is being aware of what's going on around you. Be aware of what's going on around you. And there's a name for that. The first was supplication, that's inward prayer. Then there's praise and worship, that's upward prayer. When we talk about outward prayer, that's called intercession. Intercession. Why do I want to preach on intercession? Because next week is Easter Sunday. Next week is Easter Sunday, and, and if you are a Christian, that's a big deal because we know that there are going to be hundreds of people that walk into this room, maybe thousands, who are hurting and trying to heal alone, who are broken and trying to recover alone, who <laughs> feel alone. And what they're going to find out on Easter Sunday and Saturday, Easter weekend, is that there is a guy named Jesus who was whipped so that they could be healed, who was broken so that they could be restored, who was hated so that they could be loved. And I'm excited about that message because that message is going to change their life just like it changed your life and it changed my life if you're a believer. But it also puts a burden on me because I understand the weight of having to present Jesus well. Like I mentioned earlier, it, it will be many people's first time at church. I don't want it to be their last. But something happened a couple years ago on an Easter Sunday that has shifted the way that I see Easter, and I think it will shift the way you pray for people. And it was many years ago, it was our first big Easter Sunday, and we had just crossed the thousand person mark for the first time ever, and I preached two services. And the first service was just to our volunteers. And I don't mean to brag, you know, I'm a very, I'm a very, I'm a very not bragging guy, but I just want to say this, take it as you, I crushed it. <laughs> crushed it. Every illustration, I barely looked at my notes, I was just on point. Bible verses, I quoted them correctly. It was there, me and the team, we were the same vibe, it was good. But also, that was the service for our volunteers. It's our dream team. So, like, they was all saved anyway. Some of them. <laughs> so, then the second service happened and the place was packed. We had two floors at that point. We were at, me and at Winter Park High School. It was just packed. And I preached and I don't know how else to say it, but I crashed it. <laughs> Such a bomb. And I remember walking off the pulpit and Pastor Liz, she must have saw my face. She was waiting for me backstage behind the curtain. She says, everything okay? I said, no. I said my little words to her. I said, I think I broke the church. <laughs> she said, what do you mean? I said, babe, I preached so bad. I said, none of those people are coming back again next Sunday. I know it. And she looked at me. And she said something to me that only a wife can say to her husband and that she was able to both encourage me and make me feel stupid at the same time. <laughs> and wives, that's a guess. Husbands, that's how you know you got a good one. But they make you feel stupid and blessed at the same time. That's what she said. She put her arm on my shoulder, my wife. 
And she said, oh, baby, you're important, but not that important. I'm like, listen here, listen here, listen here, listen here, listen here. What you mean? I'm important, but not that important. She said, no, 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 you're important. But if you think God's plans for Orlando depend on your ability to talk, oh, baby, you're important, but not that important. And the way I saw church preaching, worship, evangelism, which is the preaching of the God, shifted from that day forward. I realized that the most important thing I can do to bring people to Jesus is not the way I preach for the people, but the way I pray for the people I'm preaching to. Because the thing that draws people to Jesus is not illustrations and cleverly worded images or slides on a screen, but the real power of the Holy Spirit that touches a heart and pulls it to God. And since that day, I have decided that I am going to fight more for you on my knees than I am going to be behind this pulpit, which is why you don't even know this, but you need to know this, that from 8.30 to 9 a.m., we got another team in here that's doing their thing. Yeah, yeah, you see the worship team out here singing. You see the, the guest services team out there parking cars and greeting people. But from 8.30 to 9, there's another team in this building called the prayer team. And they cross every single aisle, lay hands on every single seat, and they anoint it, and they prepare it for the work that God's going to do right now as I'm preaching. We have a prayer team. Where are they at, Rob? Where's the prayer team right now? In the prayer room? We have a prayer room right here down to the left, Paul. Don't bother them. They're praying. Right now, they can hear me, see me, and they're praying for this service right now because they know that the war is one for the spiritual journey church. I want to teach you to fight for the ones that you love, not just in the natural but in the spiritual as well. You need to learn how to do it because that's where the battle is won. In prayer, that's where the battle is won. Because one day you're going to have to pray for somebody you love. One day you're going to get a phone call. Dad got a heart attack. Mom's in the hospital. Chris got into a car accident. Did you hear? Melissa, she lost the baby. And in that moment, believe you me, whether you believe in God or not, you're going to throw up a prayer. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. There are times in life where the pain of someone you love will attempt to interrupt the trajectory of your life. Have you ever had tragedy interrupt your trajectory? You, were, you thought it was going to be one way and then boom, something happens. You're like, whoa, was not expecting that. Now your whole life has shifted. You are interrupted. Today I want to speak to you on the title, The Interruption of Intercession. The Interruption of Intercession. The Interruption of Intercession. Intercession, praying for others, is going to interrupt some things in your life. Colossians 4, verse 3, we're going to read it again. We had just read it, but I want to focus on the last part of it. And pray for us too. What's that called? Intercession. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that, I love this, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. I almost forgot because he's been so encouraging the whole time. The homeboy who is writing this is locked up. 
He's in jail. He's eating bread and water. While he's writing it, he's got to scratch the rash that has formed underneath the shackles on his wrists. Are you with me? He's, he is locked, but you would never know it because he's so concerned about the people he loved that he almost stopped thinking about himself. The chains were heavy, but not as heavy as his burden for his friends. The shackles on his feet were tight, but not as tight as the grip that those who are far from God had on his heart. He couldn't stop thinking about you and me, even though he was cold, even though he was lonely, even though he was hungry, even though he was in pain, even though he was abandoned. Why? First point, because intercession interrupts my self-pity. Intercession interrupts my self-pity. Woe is me. Life has got me down. I'm not even saying you're exaggerating. I'm saying, I know things in your life are not going great. I know you didn't have the perfect week this week. Can I just let you know something else though? None of us did. No one did. And if we're not careful, we will allow the terrible week that we had to keep us down and keep us on the ground when we should be moving towards our purpose, no matter what. When we intercede for people, it gets our eyes off of ourselves and our pain and onto the pain of others. In the seat back pocket in front of you, you're going to see a connect card. I know you're probably thinking, this is usually what he does at the end of the service. Are we closing? It seems really early for Pastor DJ to stop preaching. <laughs> but if you turn it around, you're going to see a little section on the bottom that says, you know, what, what can we pray for? We'd be honored to pray for you. Now, our prayer team gets these, and they pray for them over the week. But we just started something new with our staff on Monday at 945 and on Thursday on 945. Now our staff gets these, and we pray for you too. So fill these out. I grabbed it on Monday. It was the first time we did it. And, and I know at 9.45, as we were praying for you, I know you felt something at 9.45. I know you did. At 9.45, the red light turned green. Amen. <laughs> at 9.45, the email came through. It was a good one. And I, I just, I know it. What I forgot, though, and what I didn't know was how praying for you would make me feel. As I'm reading over the things that you're going through, and there is some serious stuff that y'all are writing down. Thank you so much for trusting us with the depths of your heart and your pain. As I'm praying for you, two things are happening. As I'm praying for your problems, my problems are seeming smaller. Guess what else is happening? My purpose is seeming bigger. When you start to get your eyes off of yourself and onto other people, your problems will look smaller and your purpose will look bigger. I was having trouble getting, to get, to getting this message together because uh, I didn't think the intercession was something that anybody wanted to hear about. I'm like, people are usually just concerned about themselves and I'm gonna bring a message not that's bad, I'm, I think about myself. And so how I bring a message about praying for other people when as I'm praying this, everybody's gonna be like, yeah, that's good. Can somebody pray for me? <laughs> how am I gonna do that? And as I was doubting myself and doubting what God was telling me, I got a text message from one of our staff members and she wrote on the, on the text, can, can, do you have a second to talk? Well, I was in the middle of sermon prep and I was really struggling. I honestly didn't want to, but, and I normally wouldn't have if I was prepping, but for this staff member, absolutely because this staff member had just found out the day before, so it was Tuesday, she had just found out on Monday that her mother was diagnosed with cancer. And it was scary. And so when I saw that, I said, I'm gonna stop, of course, this is what pastors are for. So I picked up the phone, we got on the phone, and I was ready, y'all. I was ready to pastor her up. I was ready, I was ready to pray, speak in tongues on the phone, lay oil on the receiver. I was ready to do it all. <laughs> Quote Bible verses, I was ready. It's what I do. It's who I am. I'm a pastor. 
Preaching is secondary. I, I love people. And so I was ready. And then she, when I picked up, she was, hey, you have a second? I said, yeah. She goes, well, I just need to tell you. I felt like God was telling me that I needed to tell you to believe in what he shows you to preach. I'm like. She goes, you hear from God because last Sunday you preached a message called body language about being patient, having posture, and staying planted when things in your life happen that you have no words for. And I want you to know that on, since Monday, my, my, my mother and I have been reflecting on that message, and it was exactly what we needed to hear in that moment. You hear from God, be confident in what you're going to bring this Sunday. I felt like saying, listen, I'm the pastor here. Simmer down. But I sat there and I received it and I had to tell her, I said, you know, at this very moment, I was doubting the word that God gave me and you called right at that moment. And I could tell in her voice, oh my gosh, really? I wasn't doing it for that. I, I don't think she knew, but subconsciously, I think that her pain and her pity and her, her grief, and she needed a reprieve from all of that weight and she interrupted her grief. She interrupted her pain. She interrupted her doubt. She interrupted her fear. She interrupted herself, her focus to help someone else. You got to learn sometimes how to pray for other people's good when things aren't going good for you. Praying for another, because praying for another person's deliverance just might be the key to your deliverance. There's a man named Joseph who was locked up in the Bible because he was falsely accused. And while he is locked up with chains on his ankles and hands, he has two inmates over to one is a baker and the other is a cupbearer for the king. And they are both complaining because they are both on death row. And Joseph, when he should be complaining about his own life, when he should be writing his own biography about he was falsely accused and how he did, when he should be hiring a lawyer to get his back and get his butt out of there. You know what that man does in that corner of the room? He hears them crying and from the other side of the jail says, y'all need someone to pray for you? Come on now, Joseph. Y'all need someone to pray for you? And I can tell you the whole story, but we don't have enough time. He ends up praying for the cupbearer. He ends up praying for the baker. Two chapters later, it is that very prayer. One of them gets delivered and then meets with the king and said, there was a man in jail who prayed for me when I was locked up. His prayer for the deliverance of someone else literally delivered him. Can we talk about Jesus? You think you got a hard life? You think you got things going on in your life? I'm not putting it down. I'm not saying that your life isn't hard. I'm saying that's not an excuse. I'm not saying you're not going through real things. I'm saying that that's not an excuse. Jesus was on the cross, two nails in his hand, one nail between three feet, a crown of thorns on his head. He had been smacked. He had been stripped naked. He was hanging on a cross, abandoned by everyone. And while he is hanging there in pain, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Who intercedes while being crucified? Not once does he say, help me. Not once. One time he said, I'm thirsty. I'll preach about that next week. But he was so focused on y'all, you and me. He even looks next to the thief who was next to him while he's dying, while the blood is dripping through his lungs. Which many people believe he died of that kind of asphyxiation, the blood filling up in his lungs like he suffocated. He's looking at this guy and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Just preaching, just preaching to people while bleeding to death. I'm not saying what you're going through isn't real. I'm saying don't let it keep you from doing the things that God has called you to do because that might be your way out. That might be the way you break through. Anytime you pray about just the things that are going on in your life, 
You are not helping those things. You are magnifying those things. Lord, I got money problems. I got money issues, Lord. Will you take care of my money issues? I need money because I got I need money and money and money. Lord, help me with the money. And then you wonder why you think about money all day. Because it's the only thing you pray about. It's not bad to pray about money. It's not bad to ask the Lord for help. But if your needs are the only thing you bring to the Lord in prayer, you are not relieving yourself of your needs. You are magnifying your needs. That's why sometimes prayer needs to turn upward so that you can magnify the Lord, so that the Lord can look bigger than your problems, so that his grace can look bigger than your weaknesses, so that his strength can look bigger than your emptiness. It's also why sometimes the Bible says, the Bible says all the time, but we need to do this sometimes, pray for our enemies. How many people have been hurt by somebody? Raise your hand. Every hand. If your hand's not raised, I got questions. If your hand's not raised, you're the one that hurt that person. We all been hurt by somebody. How many people that hurt happened years ago, but you still think about them? Do you know why that person takes up so much space, so much real estate in your mind? Why that person takes up so much space in your heart? Because you keep praying about what they did to you. But if you were to do what the Bible says, which is pray for your enemies. I'm coming down here. Hopefully, East, you can see me, watch me. It's not too dark. You know why the Bible says pray for your enemies? Let's say you got a bully in your life. Eddie's my bully. I could pray about the pain that that bully inflicted on my life. If, as long as I do that, and that's the only thing I do, that pain is going to be with me my whole life. But the moment I shift my perspective, I say, you know, I'm going to pray for my bully. And I start to get to know him. And I start to get to examine his life and the life that he lived. I found out that he had an abusive father. He had a father who talked bad to him. And he had a father who beat him. And now all of a sudden, I realize, I see why you're bullying me because you got bullied when you was a kid. And now guess what just happened? My pain turned into compassion. Isn't that cool? I used to be mad at him, but as I began to look at him in his life, I got no reason to be mad. You, I get it. This was done to you. This was done to you. Let's say you, you're dating somebody and they're like super jealous and your relationship is painful and you're thinking about breaking it up and, you, and you're not really sure if you can be with them. But as you look at their life and you realize, oh, it's because you got cheated on when you was a teenager in high school. So, so it's not that you got a jealousy problem. You have a healing problem. You hurt. And now all of a sudden, my anger, my resentment turns into compassion. Let's say you got a dad. It's not my dad. My dad's a great dad. But let's say you got a dad and he's not good at dadding. Like he's never been able to have one vulnerable conversation with you. He's never hugged you. He never told you he loved you. He never told you he was proud of you just because of that. You can grow up holding on to your daddy wounds your whole life. Or you can look at your dad and go, oh, it's because you never had a dad. It's because you never had a male figure in your life tell you how important you are, so you don't even have the words. Like, I'm holding you accountable for something you were never even able to do. You were not able to do it. You weren't able to be the person I need. I get it now. I don't mean to make it a mental health, a joke, or anything like that, but let's, I, I, I don't know you, so, I, so this isn't like actual, but let's say you got a friend, and you're like, man, this friend always treats me bad. Like, they're, they're one way on Monday, they're another way on Tuesday. You start to dig into your life, and you're like, oh, you're bipolar. Okay, I thought you were mad at me. I thought I was the one. You just need help. And you need men. And so now I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray that you would send healing into her life. I pray that you would heal her mind. I pray that you would send the right counselors. I pray that you would prescribe the right medication. I pray that you, your pain and resentment will turn to compassion when you pray for the people who hurt you. Do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I'm going to give you the last two really quickly. The last two really quickly. Intercession just is to interrupt my self-pity. Intercession interrupts the plans of the enemy. Yeah. Wow, that's really come on, Did you know the enemy has plans for you? 
I don't know why we get weird when we talk about the devil in church. We, God is real, the devil is real. Just God's got more power than the devil. Amen. We can't focus on the devil. We can't focus on the demonic, but we have to at least be aware that he's out there trying to ruin our lives and trying to ruin the lives of our kids, and trying to ruin the lives of our spouses, and trying to ruin the lives of our businesses, and trying to ruin the lives of our friends and our family members. There's a story in the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 5. Peter was in jail. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant what? Prayer. Constant what? Prayer. prayer was offered to God for him by the church. You know why prayer is an offering? Because it costs something. It's never easy to pray for somebody. It's always a cost. Verse 6. And when Herod was what? Planning to bring him out to kill him. That night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping in prison. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter and the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Verse 11, Peter finally came to his senses. This is really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and what, from what the Jewish leaders had what? Planned to do with me. Somebody say, God did it. Yeah, yeah, but what, what got God to do it? Verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. If you take a note, you can write this down. When we pray, God does things that he would not have done if we did not pray. You better believe it. You better be I know that message with your theology because some of y'all come from a sovereignty background alone where, and God is sovereign, but it's this idea that prayer doesn't matter because God's gonna do what God wants to do anyway. If that were true, then what, what does 2 Chronicles 7, 14 mean? Put it on screen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, next verse, then I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. I'm gonna read the same verse, but I'm gonna highlight some things. Show it again, but this time with the highlights. If my people pray, next, next slide, then. Go back one slide. If my people, next slide, then. First slide, if my people, next slide, then. But one more, if my people, next slide, if people pray, then. It can't get any clearer. He said, then I will restore their nation. You know, I don't think we understand what's, what's at risk when we don't pray. I, I am convinced that America is being held together by 33 grandmas. I'm just, I'm just sold out. Because nobody prays for the country anymore. But the old school Christian grandmas, they're fasting on Wednesday for the nation. I'm just saying, we're gonna get to heaven one day and God's gonna be like, the US should have been wiped out in 2020, but Dolores. <laughs> Dolores went in, her and Agnes went in and they, they, they accosted heaven with their intercession and their prayer and they fasted for 48 hours and they called unto me and then I was held to the faithfulness of my word because my people had prayed then. The future of your children rests on if my parents pray then. If my wife prays then, if my husband prays then, if my mom prays then, if my daughter prays then. Intercession can interrupt the plans of the enemy and everything that he had. That's why I pray for my boys every day. 
I pray every day. I pray the one thing I pray for them every day. I pray a couple of things. One of the things I pray for them, I said it here before, I pray for their future spouses. Every day, God, I pray that you would bring their wives in their time at the right time. I pray that they be prepared, protected, provided for the ministry that you have for them. Because I know the enemy's got plans. Those are good looking boys. The enemy's got plans. He, he got some plans for some floozies, some Jezebels to come up in there. Like, I had another word to say, but Pastor Liz said it was inappropriate, so I won't say it. But I know he got plans for them because that's how he got me. But when that day comes, I pray that every prayer from this moment until that moment would put a stop on the enemy's plan. That my boys would be filled with a level of conviction and purpose and integrity. That they would say, no, no, I can't go. And for them, it's going to be one decision. But I'll know, and you'll know, it was 36 years of praying and 36 years of fasting to change the direction for my offspring, my legacy which is why prayer is powerful. Here's the last one, because intercession interrupts the direction of people. When you pray for people, they could be headed one way and all of a sudden turn the other way. All over this room and all over at East, will y'all stand to your feet, but don't make any noise outside of just the noise that it makes in standing. I'm just gonna ask for reverence in this moment. If you came to church with somebody that you love or somebody who's a friend, or would you hold their hand or maybe put your shoulder around them? It could be a family member, it could be a spouse, it could be somebody in your life that you're thinking of. Just hold on to that person. I wanna to intercede today and I want you to practice intercede. If you're watching online, you can pause it. Pause right now, go find somebody in your house. Grab them, then hit play again. If you're by yourself, pause it. Think about someone, then hit play again. If you're in East, grab somebody here in the room. I want intercession to do two things in your life. Are you ready? I want it to break your self-pity and I want it to interrupt the plans of the enemy for that person that you're praying for right now. And that's gonna change their direction. Maybe you need to ask that person, is there anything in your life that you need praying for? If you already know, then when I start praying, I want you to start praying. And I want you to just pray like, like your prayer is gonna do something. Pray like you know that when we pray, God does things that he would not do if we did not pray. Come on East, come on Fern Park, come on online right now, let's pray. Father God, you see every voice. Come on, pray out loud. You see every voice right now. We pray for our kids right now. We pray for our loved ones right now. We pray for the stranger next to me right now. God, you have a plan for their life. You have a purpose for their life. And I just declare right now that only your plans and only your purposes would happen in their life. If you're a father right now, they're gonna cry out for your children right now. Open your voice, open your heart to God. Let your voice out to God. God, I declare my daughter is the daughter of the Most High God. She doesn't belong to the enemy. I interrupt those plans right now. I pray for my son. If you got plans, if the enemy's got plans for him, he's gonna be a man of God. He's gonna be a minister. He's gonna love his neighbor. I interrupt the plans of the enemy right now. My prayer is doing things in the spiritual right now. I fight for my spouse right now in the name of Jesus. I fight for my future spouse. I might be single, but I'm praying for that person right now. I pray, God, that you would protect them, that you would guard them, that you would guide them and preserve them for the moment when our destinies are aligned and we will finally meet. But until that moment, guard them, Lord. Guard them, protect them right now in Jesus' name. Come on, can you feel the pity falling off of you? I don't got time to be crying about what I'm going through right now. I see other people who need Jesus. I see other people who are hurting. I see other people who are in pain. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen, amen. Stay with me, East. Stay with me, Journey Church. Two other things, two other things. Here's the second thing. Next Saturday, somebody say next Saturday. Nine to 10, say nine to 10. We have Saturday morning prayer every Saturday from nine to 10, but next Saturday, it's gonna be specific. We're gonna be interceding for Easter. We're gonna have a service that night at six and then four and two more the next day. 
And so you're invited to come nine to 10 next Saturday to help us. We're gonna have an intercession prayer and the war for Easter will be won on Saturday from nine to 10 in prayer. I believe that with all of my heart. You're invited to come be a part. Here's the last thing, every head by every eye closed. Somebody in this room, somebody's been praying for you and it's your time to come back home. If you're far from God, if you're far from God and you're ready to come give your life to Jesus, you can feel the prayers of grandma. You can feel the, the, the prayers of Willow, of Nana. You can feel the prayers of Pop Pop. You can feel, feel the, the, the prayers of Big Mama. You knew that she was fighting for you and she was calling out for you. And this is your moment when those prayers come into fruition. If you're far from Jesus and you wanna come back home to God, when I say three, I want you to put your hand up real high as a signal and a sign I'm ready to come back home to Jesus. I can feel my grandmother's prayers right now on my life. I can feel my mother's prayers on my life right now. If that's you on three, raise your right hand high. Jesus, I need you in my life. One, two, all over this building. One, two, three, raise your right hand high all over this building. Come on, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. That's grandma's prayers right there. That's mama's prayers right there. That's daddy's prayers right there. With your hand held high, and even if you didn't raise your hand, pray, pray out with me. Father God, I can feel her prayers. I can feel his prayers. They brought me here today. I'm ready to come back home to you. Jesus, I accept you in my life as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me for my past. Prepare me for my future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's put our hands together and welcome those. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.